Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging F1 podcast. It's just Nigel and myself today as Freddie is off. Well, we don't actually know what he's doing, but he's enjoying his Sunday in a way that we are not because we are sat here about to do a Winging F1 podcast and we came on this morning and Nigel arranged this recording and then came on with absolutely no ideas of what to do. So we, we are doing some standard, um, not off-season, but intra-race content for you. It's the wins and losers of the opening three rounds of the Formula One World Championship 2023. But before we get stuck into that, Nigel, how are you? Uh, been an emotional couple of weeks for reasons I can't actually talk about at the moment. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, recently I've been all right. Uh, Snickerbot Championship started to run your solvent got for into the second round, which is very, very good news for me and uh, Eurosport. Uh, so very happy about that. Uh, so yeah, I'm good to answer your question. How are you, Adam? I've got to ask that question in response now, Delta, just because that's polite and that's what manners are, I think. Yes, yes, that is that is indeed correct. I am probably less affected by um, any snooker-related news, um, to be honest. I kind of stick to sports mostly but uh yeah um apart from that it's been a good well it's, I it's not, um, snooker's not a sport I know snooker for anyone who thinks is a sport please message adam I, it's it's not there's you know we've had this discussion many this could have been the podcast to be honest we've had this but that would need a new logo so i'm not able, <laughs> not able to do that just for a one-off episode but um yeah apart from that it has i don't know it feels like a lot has happened since since the last race um really? been two whole two whole monuments since the last f1 race oh. and cycle for any cycling fans out there um but yeah, aside from that, there's a few bits and pieces that we will talk about when we do our Australian Grand Prix preview, unless something else bigger, unless some bigger news has broken. But without wanting to leave Freddie out of those conversations, then yeah, we are doing the wins and losers of the opening three rounds. I write this column for totalmotorsport.com every race about the wins and losers of each Grand Prix. So go and check those out if you are interested in having some more detail. You didn't do it for testing though, did you? But that's not a race, so... Well, yeah, exactly. So that's why I didn't I didn't specify that I didn't do it for testing because I already did that with the with the race. Um, but yeah, who who did do it for testing? I've forgotten. Uh, someone called Ed Spencer did it for testing. Oh yeah, that's it, Ed Spencer. So go and check out his as well if you're interested on that. Although um, you know, it's a while back now in the past, as is. Just happens, when Freddie's not here to anchor us, then we just like go off on a bit. <laughs> but I will drag it back and Nigel, I, I'll leave it open. Actually, no, I won't. Give us a winner of the opening three rounds of the season. Well, Verstappen, Perez, Verstappen were the winners. Uh, so, uh, but to like do a podcast, I'm going to say Max Verstappen is a winner because he's leading the championship. And yes, he probably could have won all three races had he not had uh, the drive shaft problems in Saudi Saudi Arabia qualifying. But I think he's massive favourite to win the title now. Red Bull have produced an outstanding car. Uh, obviously, Hamilton and Russell been uh, saying it's you know the most dominant car they've ever seen and that kind of thing, which I don't fully agree with. But they've they've clearly got 
a very handy margin over the rest of the field. And I think all the mechanics, all the engineers who've worked on this car, especially with the budget cap uh, penalty as well, it's just been an amazing job, really, uh, to, to, to produce something like this and then put Verstappen in it. It clearly suits his driving style. He's not really had too many problems, I don't think, in terms of the actual driving of it. So, I think Verstappen overall, well, Verstappen and Red Bull are the two biggest winners, really. Uh, and it's very hard to see how they... Well, it's, it's hard to see how they're going to lose too many races at the moment. Obviously, the development race could change and stuff. But yeah, so far, Verstappen and Red Bull. Yeah, it could all change in Baku's team to bring their upgrades. Although, I don't know if they would bring them to Baku, really. And then there's Miami after that, which, again, they might probably more likely to. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the only thing... There's been so many conversations about, like, Verstappen's retirement. I don't know whether it's just, like, people are bored or what. But, like, he made the comments about... Um, after Dominicali talks about wanting to remove... Um, free practice altogether and have more sprint weekends and Verstappen said, oh, well, you know, if you keep messing around with the format, then I'm probably not going to be allowed around for too much longer. Do you think that's kind of real or do you think it is just kind of, you know, people in the, in a four-week gap between races, people, you know, picking up on anything? I think it is real because I think these comments were said uh, like George Australian Grand Prix weekend on the Friday and Saturday when Verstappen was speaking to the, to the media but I do feel like he is kind of more like a Fernando Alonso character and could take a year out of F1 in, I don't know, 10, 12 years or something and then realise how much he misses it and then come back. But Verstappen, he just absolutely loves racing. He loves it more than, say, Hamilton for me because Hamilton has got all his off-track activities. And Verstappen is more of the kind of pure out-and-out race. I mean, when he's not uh, racing on an F1 weekend, he's doing sim races, and he's you know winning them with with, with his teammates and that kind of thing. Uh, so I think I think Stafford just loves racing, and F1 is the ultimate motorsport. So I don't really see him walking away from it, say before the age of thirty. But I could definitely see him taking a year out, but then realise he misses it, and then he'll come back. So I think the talk of it was just. Not heat at the moment, but that's just him, him being honest, which I think he generally is uh, to the press in terms of that question that he was asked. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think I think he has largely been blown up as a talking point, just you know because of the gap. But yeah, I I, I agree. It's I just like can't see what else he'd do. Like he does seem very kind of wedded to F one specifically. Like I don't I. I just kind of can't see him like maybe dabbling in those of the most sports as much. I mean, even Alonso, you know, part of his primary motivation for um, going off in, to do the other sports was that he wanted to be considered, you know, the greatest driver of all time. And he couldn't win seven world F1 world championships or eight F1 world championships to match that accolade at the top of the sport. So he wanted to do the triple crown to have that as a kind of unique, I mean, Graham Hill did it in the um, 60s, but, you know, have have that as unique in modern motorsports as him being the only person to do that. Whereas Verstappen could, you know, very well win seven or eight championships or even more and be, you know, reset that benchmark again. 
So, yeah, I'd, I'd just... I'd be surprised if he does go away because it feels like F. He feels like a much you know F one specific. Feels like a much bigger motivator for him. Um, but yeah, I think it's I don't know. I it it's such a long contract as well. Like it's twenty twenty eight. It's five years away. Like it is it is a long time. You look like I wanted to jump in and say something. I don't want to jump in and say something. Also, his his dad Jos Verstappen. I think he does. There's, there's no way he's going to let. Max Verstappen retire before he's not broken all or most of like the big records, so most wins, most titles. I do not see him walking away before that. So we are talking, you know, 2028, 20, 2029, 20, 2030, 20, which is such a long time away. And so much is going to happen between then, you know, in his personal life and uh, on the track and that kind of thing. So, yeah, Verstappen's not going to go anywhere for the next six or seven years I can pretty much not guarantee obviously but I'm quite sure of yeah no definitely um, I think that sums up the Red Bull chat they are the winners of the opening three rounds really and from testing really onwards they've been the dominant team and I expect that to continue um, and then it's just a case of whether you know how long they they can keep going you know how how long they develop this car, how long until they switch to the next um next season's car. So yeah, be interesting to see on that. But um yeah, I'll move to the other obvious one, which is Fernando Alonso slash Aston Martin as a winner. Um, Alonso's the only driver apart from Verstappen to be on the podium for all three races. He's taken two third, uh, sorry, three third places. And what do you think the ceiling is for Aston Martin? This season, and where do you expect them to finish up this year? Do you think they can, you know, keep pace with, or continue to be that second team behind Red Bull? I've, ooh, well, I wouldn't say they're definitely second team now. I think it's very close between themselves and Mercedes, and then Ferrari over one lap. I think are there as well, but I think they can. They, I think they can finish. In fact, I'm gonna say they will finish in second. In fact, not will, not will because. Drive up. I don't know, but I, I, I think they can win races and they can have the odd pole position there, here and there as well, in the right circumstances. Because I do see Ferrari, Aston Martin, and Mercedes closing the gap to Red Bull in general over, over the season anyway. And I think if they can be on pure pace, match Red Bull at some point later in the season, that is a massive achievement from where they were last year when they were over one second. Uh, behind Red Bull and the leading pace last year. So to bridge that gap is just an immense job from them. The technical team has done uh, fantastic work over over the winter. So, yeah, I, I would be surprised now if they don't win a race or don't have a pole position. And it will be a very tight fight in for second place in the championship. It's just whether Lance Stroll, uh, I don't want to say lets them down, but cost them too many points compared to Hamilton and Russell, which is a much stronger lineup than Alonso and and uh, and, and uh, Stroll. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just all so positive, isn't it? I mean, to bridge that gap, we haven't seen a team do this for quite a long time. And he, I mean, when was the last time someone kind of jumped from the midfield to the front like this? Probably talking... Oof, let me think. Uh, Depends if you count racing point. <laughs> In 2020, yeah. I wouldn't personally. Um, I mean, I guess Ferrari, 
Yeah, Ferrari. By definition, Ferrari. Um, but yeah, there's not yeah. not kind of been a team that's been stuck in the midfield for so long that has then jumped jumped forward. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, probably the... since Red Bull, to be honest. Red Bull. Yeah, that's because it's 2009. Um, who did it consistently? Um, slash Braun, I guess, also <laughs> did it even more successfully. But um, but in Lotus terms of... as well, Renault. Yeah, Lotus, Lotus actually. 2011 to 2012. Yeah, that's probably the last kind of one like that. Although 2012 mm. was a crazy season in general because like Williams, you know, had a decent car as well then. So yeah, we're probably talking that 2012 kind of year. Yeah, I mean, with um, with Aston Martin, the the one thing is. In terms of like aero testing, then obviously they benefited from getting a lot more. Um, I think they got twenty five percent more than Mercedes um, or Ferrari um, last. Yeah, twenty five percent more than um, the front runners from last year. But that will stop. That advantage will stop in June. So they have set like chunks for the wind tunnel testing where you get you've probably seen the graphs of like how much each, how many wind tunnel runs each team gets um so that's per eight week blocks but then at the end of june then the kind of order of how much you get switches to the current constructors championship so if it was right now aston martin would get the second fewest so that's the only thing that you know like will that hamper them I mean, it might, it, it'll probably more, be more their development for next season's car, but I think that is just kind of yeah, something worth um, thinking about. But apart from that, yeah, it's, I, I think it is quite tight. I would, I would definitely have them ahead of Mercedes on race pace um, and definitely ahead of Ferrari as well on race pace. Um, I think Ferrari are struggling more in that department, but um, I, I, I just think they'll struggle to keep ahead of Mercedes over the course of the season. I think Mercedes will come back and i mean even you know even even now having had to reset their whole kind of design philosophy then you know they've been able to to challenge for podiums and and you know had a had a pretty strong race in or pretty strong weekend in australia so yeah i don't i think i predict third place for aston martin but like you say it's still a massive jump from where they were last season where they have been since 2020 really and I think with the Aston Martin, it looks so good to drive. I mean, the handling mm. of it. I think Alonso has been saying this is one of the best kind of handling cars he's ever driven in F1. It just looks so... It, it does what the driver wants wants to do, and that's so important in any form of motorsport. Uh, it's just a straight-line speed, which could be an issue at some circuits. But that said, Australian Melbourne, which we've had recently, uh, that is probably one of the most straight line speed, uh straight line dependent, sorry, uh circuits and they you know still finish third there. Uh but that is the one kind of big weakness for me is the straight line speed. Uh they are they could be sitting ducks on some circuits. Like Baku will be quite interesting actually to see if how much time they lose in that final sector because it's basically just flat out apart from that one one uh, corner. Uh, so yeah, that's the only weakness. But apart from that, in terms of handling the chassis, the suspension, we got the tires working as well. They seem to be have a great tire wear, but they're also firing them up quite well. Uh, so they got everything in those kind of handling departments. Yeah, definitely. It's and and I think crucial to that as well is the, you know that's kept um, Fernando Alonso on board, and you know they all seem to be pulling really well there and you know i i imagine will rebel will switch their focus to next season quite 
early on. So I think, you know, we might see what happened with Mercedes dominance where, you know, particularly Red Bull would come back near the end of the season and be able to win a few races and then it would get to the start of the next season and Mercedes would be would be clear. But I think, you know, it will be on the table for some of those teams to fight for the win. Um, <clears throat> going negative, can you throw out a loser for us? Oh, God, sorry. Uh, I was trying to unmute myself. I mean, it's three years we've been using this, man. Uh, loser, stop shaking your head. It's, so it's, it's about 180 episodes. <laughs> it is about 100. Well, it's more than that, isn't it? It's about 185, I'd guess, for you. 183. I've, I've done 185 episodes. Yeah, I've well, we've done 100. As a podcast, we've done 188. But how many have you missed? Yeah. Like four? Two or three, I think. Yeah. Two or three. So, yeah. You still can't unmute yourself. No, I, I mean, I had a streak of like 113 or something, which is crazy. But anyway, yeah. that the question, now, to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, it's down the bin. Uh, yeah. Alpha Tauri, big loser for me because mm. they are probably the slowest car. And I think in general, the consensus was they were going to make a step forward <clears throat> into next year. Franz Toss, Toss has been quite critical of the technical team saying that they. <clears throat> Weren't, let's say, fully honest with how good the car was, uh, and yeah, it does appear to be. So we, we we say this quite often, but someone has to be last, and at the moment, it appears to be Alpha Tauri. Although they're not like miles last. I mean, Sonoda uh, managed to get points in in Australia, which was fantastic, and I actually think he's driven quite well this year. But I think. The Alpha Tauri did general did generally struggle to develop that like really well as well. So I think they're gonna be at the back at most or the majority of races this year, which isn't ideal, obviously. <laughs> How do you think this kind of um affects their two drivers? Because it felt like Sonoda was definitely in the hot seat needing a good year, but then I think it really it makes it difficult where they're they're only really battling one team. So then, you know, how how do you evaluate that? And also, how would you say DeVries has done over, over the start of his F1 career? It makes it very difficult for the drivers because if they were further forward and they produce the performances that they have in the first three races, I think Snowden will be getting a lot more like a lot more credit. I mean, me personally, I think he's still done a very good job and he's clearly improved uh, from last year. And then from DeVries, he's just not, I don't think he's gelled with, with the car that well. I mean, we saw with his Williams debut at Mons last year how good he was to be better than Latifi on his on his first outing. But I think it, what, what it's shown is that changing team and changing car, it makes a massive impact on the driver. And you can say the best drivers will adapt to it and that kind of thing. But most drivers, it's so car and style specific to gel with the car that you can lose you know tenths you know half a second in turn turns a lot and I think that's where DeVries has just struggled with, with the Alpha Tower. He's just he's just not quite gelled with it. Uh so he's not been great for DeVries at all. He does need to begin to match Sonoda if he wants to well stay in F one because there's so many Red Bull juniors including uh, Liam Lawson who's doing quite well in the super former this year. Uh, Awasa is literally leading F two. He's literally leading F two. Awasa as well, yeah. And 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 Lawson. Nigel's pick yeah, for the Red Bull seat Lawson. for the Alpha Tauri seat next year was Liam Lawson. So I think that's why he's yeah. that's why he's pushing that agenda. That is why. 
No, if I'm not pushing an agenda, I'm just having an opinion. You do, you've been caught <laughs> in... Well, that's 4K, because our webcams don't do that, but no, you've been 4K, caught in, yeah. in some, um, 360p or something. 1080, maybe. <laughs> what was I saying? Yes, uh, I think I've answered your question, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it makes it really difficult to then evaluate, like how good a job Sonoda's doing in the car because if you got De Vries who I just think you know hasn't like you say hasn't gelled with the car hasn't um, you know he's, he's just not really performed so far but then you know it's you're then thinking how bad is the car like is it actually that like is it as bad as De Vries makes it look or is there just that gap between the drivers where Sonoda and obviously he's been in the team for for two years into his third year now and was a rebel junior for a decent while before that as well you know is it is it just that familiarity that's the difference or like yeah where where's the kind of gap between the drivers so yeah i think it's kind of difficult i'd imagine at the you know very early days but i'd imagine based on what we've seen then sonoda will be feeling you know good about his chances for next season but to maybe less so unless those performances can improve yeah, I mean, ultimately, you can only beat your teammate. When we always talk about what what happens if Verstappen and Hamilton was in the worst car of the Alpha Alpha Tauri this year, you know, where where would the Alpha Tauri be then? That kind of thing. And it's just impossible to say. It could be like suddenly, I don't know, seven four six wicket car or something, and score mm. points, you know, consistently. Uh, so it's just really really hard to say. But I think Sonoda's doing pretty much everything he can right now he just needs a bit of fortune I think to have that outstanding result and then more let's say more people will notice his performances but I think Red Bull will notice that he's beaten the reason they'll be quite happy with with uh, with that where would you rank McLaren or how would you kind of evaluate their season because obviously like they are they came into it and had an absolutely torrid like barring Grand Prix like I don't remember seeing a worse Grand Prix from a team in a while um, but you know they have well, Norris is 8th in the championship Piastri's like settled in he scored points in Australia and they are actually looking not so bad like it's kind of, I feel like it's quite a difficult one to, to evaluate but would you put them in either camp of winners and losers I think they would still be losers for me because I think they were well they've not got closer to the front, have they? And I think especially mm. looking at Aston Martin, that would have been the goal. And if anything they have they have slipped back a bit. But you are right, the first two races did make the performance look worse than it was. And I think we said that before Australia as well. Uh but I I think just in terms of because I I think with winners and losers, we have to look at the the gap the team or the car has made from last year to this year McLaren haven't made any progress which is why they've changed technical team and uh, we discussed that before Australia so I think they're still in the loser camp for for me yeah I think that's that's fair enough I mean Piastri seems to have settled in pretty well um, you know seems to be living up to his I mean, he looks better significantly better I'd say over race pace than, than in qualifying although he did make Q3 in Saudi Arabia but um yeah, I'd say definitely like he he still seems to lack something to Norris in, in qualifying, which is no bad thing. Norris is one of the best qualifiers on the grid, but on race pace, then he does seem really competitive. And, um, you know, he, considering the, the size of the challenge coming in, I think he's bedded in really well. I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd put him as a winner because, like you say, if you're, if you're coming into a midfield team, you'd expect to 
be in a better situation with the car, but also, you know, he could have done a lot worse from these first three races than he has. So I'd be tempted to put him as a winner. Yeah, I can see that. I'd, you'd say McLaren's a loser, but then Piastri's a winner just because of his, how he's performed with the situation he's mm. got and the kind of, I wouldn't say pressure because I don't think he had too much pressure, but there was certainly after the first race, there were people saying, wondering uh, why was there so much hype about him and that's just people judging things over one race, which is stupid. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's certainly met our expectations and this is what we kind of expected, but so yeah, in that in that kind of sense, he is a winner. Just if mm. you got another one to throw out for either camp, uh, I don't have any more winners. I don't think. I mean, I've got lose. I, I mean, there's arguably a lot of. Well, actually, Williams would they be a winner? Would you say they're kind of like mm. in that fifty-fifty camp for me? Yeah, they're not by far the worst team anymore, which is good. But I think. I mean, they're still like they're behind AlphaTauri in the championship, which is pretty like that surprised me. I'd, I didn't realize yeah. that they were there, but um, yeah, I think like you'd also expect them to like you know, there's there's the budget cap in place. There's they've got the most aero testing this season. Like if they didn't, yeah. you know, you, like you have to take a step forward. It feels like it should be part of the course that they're taking that step forward. And the fact you know they're still they're still probably in that battle. I'd say there's maybe you know a, a kind of a wider battle between the the bottom five teams in the championship, and they're probably there. But yeah, I'd, I'm not sure. I'd say they're meeting expectations. I'd say okay, because well, I think if Albon did get that seventh or eighth, or even better, because of all the chaos at the end uh, in Australia, if it weren't for the spin that he had during the race, that would have changed a lot of a lot of people's perspective. On it. I, mm. I, I kind of feel like because that would have been an amazing result and I think Alwan's done quite well as well this season and I think Sargent hasn't looked as bad as some people think as well, I mean he's made a couple of key errors but in terms of raw pace I think he's actually looked quite good uh, which is good to see so yeah I think overall they're, kind mm. of in the, they're not quite in the winner's camp but that would be the only other, in terms of like teams and drivers, the only other possible winner think for for me i think yeah it's yeah sergeant's sounding qualifying was a bit of a mess but apart from that he does i yeah like i mean before the season i thought we'd need to see that actually this would be a bedding in year and next year we'd see the best of him so the fact that he's exceeded that is pretty good i'd say so yeah i'd say from a driver point of view they're definitely doing well um but i think i mean i guess like one one of the losers would just be f1 because of the complete lack of you know a fight at the front of the Grid, I saw something that was um is like comparing the speeds from the like all the teams on the grids compared to the top team. And it's um like I, f- I forget who I forget who they said was the fastest. Um I think it was just based on qualifying. They said Ferrari was the fastest um team and they were like 0.4% behind Red Bull, whereas last year and in 2021 then there was like, a, it was in like the hundredths of percent. Um, so yeah. it's like a lot tighter. It's basically like over four times less competitive this year than it was last year. And I feel like it has just been like, a, especially before the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, it felt like there was just no hype at all for it. Mm. Whereas like Bahrain, there's always that opening season hype. But for Saudi Arabia, it really felt like just so, so flat. And I'm not sure 
you need we, like there needs to be a good result over the next few races for you know any of the Aston Martin, Mercedes, or Ferrari to I guess put some hype back into the season. Would you say? Uh yeah. In terms of the title race, be that absolutely. It's mm. just if you it's just one of those reasons. It's like if you take t- t- took out Mercedes from twenty fourteen to twenty uh sixteen and twenty nineteen twenty twenty as well. The field looks super competitive, and that's what we're getting now with Red Bull. If you took them out, it'd be ridiculously tight. It's just they've done such a good job, mm. and massive credits to them, uh, that it doesn't look too great. And I think this is what I always meant by 2021 when ignoring the controversy and all the stuff that happened for a sec. But like, it was that was as close as you, as you can get between two top, top teams over the course of a whole season. And that's why, for me, it was the perfect season. And now, the last couple of years, and in general, this is a more average F1 season where, because of the rules and because of the regulations, you are going to have one team that builds the best or fastest or the most all-round car. And that's happened to be Red Bull this year. So, yeah, I think absolutely the, the next races for the title race need to be closer. And I think it just shows as well how important it is that even if you have two teams out in front and the miles in front of everyone else, you literally just need two teams out in front close together because that's what makes, you know, that's what makes sport, I guess, by having those close rivalries, which we had in 2021. So, yeah, hopefully it does get closer, but at the moment it is hard to see how Red Bull don't win, you know, the next three, four, five races, really. I think the thing for me is, like, it doesn't, have to be like 2019 there wasn't really a title race but it was still a really great season because there was great races so the first eight or nine races weren't that it was only the second half where it was, yeah. there was some amazing races but the first eight this did like this year could be like that the first seven eight races mm. could be red bull dominate just like mercedes in 2019 then suddenly there's a streak of good races and that's how i kind of feel this season could could uh happen yeah definitely like that's that's what i see you know, that's the kind of only reason for optimism really this season is that there could be and again, like Mercedes then turned up the next season with an absolute rocket ship and won what, 14 races? 12, 13 out of 16? So, you know, it it kind of maybe some of that development did then kick into next year but 2019 was a really good season and had a really good string of races in the middle where it was uber competitive and really entertaining. So that is possible but it's just whether whether we'll see that over the course of the of the season or not because Red Bull are just so far ahead right now so yeah I'm not sure yeah I'm not sure I mean yeah the other two obviously losers quickly obviously Mercedes and Ferrari because they're not in the title fight they're both expected to be in the title fight and that just kind of links to what we're talking about now is can they close the gap and if anything you'd say Aston Martin are the most likely ones to which is going, oh, well, Aston Martin or Mercedes and Ferrari, probably not, because it looks like they have too many problems for me. Whereas Mercedes and Aston Martin now probably have a bit more confidence in to at least reduce the gap to uh, Red Bull. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's a kind of quick fire look at who's who's hot and who's not over the opening three rounds of the season. We'll be back next week mm-hmm. with a Baku Grand Prix preview as we go into the next little leg of the season but Nigel have you got anything to add 
Uh, I just want to actually quickly, I've just remembered, uh, there was a, some very sad motorsport news uh, last week where WRC driver Craig Breed uh, sadly passed away. And when I saw news, it was an absolute massive shock. I mean, he's only 33. Uh, he came second in the one out and he's done so far in uh, Rally Sweden. Uh, and yeah, it was just a massive shock for any racing driver to uh, sadly lose their life in this day and age. Uh, and yeah, I think WRC has not happened for quite some years now as well. I mean, it, it, it happened in testing the Rally Croatia is this weekend coming up. But yeah, just a massive shock for that. And obviously, that, uh, you know, his thoughts and, friend, uh, thoughts and prayers with his family and friends because, yeah, I was. It's not often I get surprised by news, but seeing something like that is it still kind of gets me a bit. Uh, and it just shows how dangerous motorsport is. And I know there's been lots of tributes from uh, the WRC kind of community and motorsport as a whole. So yeah, just a quick mention of that. Uh, because yeah, we had Ken Block earlier this year in January, and then now this. So yeah, it's not been the best news for the off-road scene uh, this year. But yeah, massive, massive shame that that news that happened uh, last week. Yeah, you see it in all forms of motorsports: the past, the crashes that people go through and then just walk away from, and it can kind of dull you to that. You know, the the danger that still exists for for any form of motorsport. So yeah, completely echo everything that you've said on that and um yeah with that we will thank you very much for listening and say goodbye until next time